Real estate is a scam. This is a statement that today's guest has made, but it's likely not what you're thinking. Possibly the most cautious commercial real estate syndicator when it comes to compliance, Dan Freidenberg built his commercial real estate business from the ground up with transparency on full display. Dan explains some of the overlooked practices that can help you remain compliant with the SEC, and he reveals the uses of a CRM for multifamily investors. How has your digital background helped you succeed or mitigate risk when it comes to multifamily investing? Beautiful. So the most important thing is because I was helping coaches. So starting from 2014, I started working for a company where uh, the main driver of income was the house flipping side of uh, my boss's business. And he would have like every single month, he'd have 10 houses on the go. In other words, if you include the dispositions, the ones that are flipping and the acquisitions, it'd be reliable 10 houses a month like clockwork. And of course, once you start to get that kind of success, you start to tap into other streams of revenue. And one of them for him was coaching. He was already doing uh, over seven figures in uh, revenue from coaching alone before he hired me. But because I came from a special kind of CRM, many people know what a a CRM is. And like if you're upgrading from a spreadsheet, it means it's how you save your contact information and how you send mass emails to those groups. And you're careful not to send the wrong things to the wrong people and so on. But the thing that was special about the CRMs that I worked on is they also accept credit cards. So there's an extra level of digital security, compliance, all that kind of stuff and uh, complexity. And that's where I came in. But the real benefit is because I was working for a coach and I was also uh, helping the other coaches who had like affiliate relations. So like maybe, you know, one person would have uh, a course on house flipping and then the other one would have something on like tax liens. Regardless of what it was, I was able to get a behind the scenes look as far as what's really popular, what's really working. I started consuming all of the information and then I was able to see what is more smoke and mirrors. What do these paywalls look like? No, that's awesome. My brothers and I, we are big fans of CRMs, um, which is really interesting that you have that in your background. We uh, were wholesalers before in our past life, uh, like, like a few years ago. And so we use that a lot. But in multifamily, it was almost like we had to get creative with how to implement it um, because I don't think there's a lot of like, it's not mainstream, I, I don't think. I'm not, I know a lot of the more sophisticated uh, experienced syndicators might use it, but that is kind of like a topic I would love to dive into real quick. Like what are some uses for a CRM as a multifamily syndicator and how can it help? I want to relate it back to the mistake I made in my career coming into real estate, which is because I was coming from tech and tech is, you know, behind the scenes and I didn't want, you know, my boss to think that I was trying to eat his lunch. So when you come from that side, uh, you you really run the risk of uh, not building enough of a network. You know, you kind of rest on your laurels. You're saying, hey, I'm, you know, getting a high wage or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, I'm meeting all of my needs, but uh, eventually you have to build an enormous network. And the thing that's that's kind of scary when you're coming into this industry is uh, a lot of people, because of the law, they pretend that the amount of capital that you can bring to a deal doesn't really matter, but it absolutely does. Uh, you know, if, if you are undercapitalized in this business, you're not going to be very popular. 
So it's that uh, it's that networking, I think, is uh, is really, really important. Uh, you have to build your network. You have to know tons and tons of people. you got to keep yourself out there and do that personal branding. But the CRM itself is just to make sure that if you have something going on in, say, Texas, where I focus, then you only email the people who are in like in around Texas, like if it's like a live event or something like that. And then, you know, if it's something better for like Indiana, then you only, you know, email email the, the, the people who are in states near there. So, so that's one of the big things for CRMs, but the difference, of course, a lot of people in commercial real estate, different forms of real estate, they'll use the active campaign, they'll use the mail chip, some, chimp, something like that. But if they want to sell an ebook or a course or tickets to a live event, then being able to accept credit cards is very important. And if you want to really show your professionalism, you need to make sure that the automated fulfillment is top notch. You don't want to email somebody saying, hey, remember to get your ticket today. They go off, buy their ticket and tomorrow say, you still haven't bought your ticket because they're going to hop on the phone and say, hey, what kind of ragtag operation are you running? Yeah. You know, I already bought it yesterday. So so that's kind of the nuance of more complicated CRMs. Mm -hmm. But it's really a matter of uh, if you're not talking to people all the time, you're not going to stay on top of mind. And so when they're thinking, oh, wait, I got more cash to deploy, they're not going to be thinking of your syndications. They're going to be thinking of the syndications of the person who's regularly posting and staying in touch. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, my brothers and I, we, we would like go to events. Uh, we would always get people's business cards and put them into our CRM and like just keep like a follow-up date, just stay in touch with people because it's kind of like emphasize your point. Your network is so important and it's really easy to kind of like lose sight of that and almost forget to like follow up with people, stay in touch. Um, so that's that's really powerful that you mentioned that. Now, I, I know you also have 506B.me. Um, I think that's really interesting. And honestly, like there's not a lot like that in this industry. Can you explain what that is and who it's for? Sure. So uh, the way that 506B me occurred to me, it, it really, it's pretty obvious that a guy like me was the one to come up with it. The real reason is because CRMs, you build forms with them and put them on a website, right? So first name, last name, email, that sort of stuff, right? But I was talking to these securities attorneys and they were saying, make sure you don't hop on Craigslist and say, you know, hey, look what I've got as an offer. And I'm, it's so ridiculous that I'm being this careful with the words I choose to say this. But it's just a matter of that's how 506B uh, syndications really work. So I heard with a 506B, if you are not accredited, then you're kind of stuck being in a 506B. Otherwise, you have to make a really good impression with a group that's doing a 506C. And then, you know, that way, uh, if you have a high enough rank in the organization, then you're accredited for the purposes of that deal. But in general, um, the SEC wants to make sure that you're not giving these offers these syndications these securities offers all willy-nilly they want to make sure that you actually know that person very well and that person understands what illiquidity really means and what i mean by that is if you invest like 50k 100k into a building and then your daughter's sweet 16 comes up and you want to fly her and her friends off to Hawaii or something like that. So you really, really need your money back. Well, in a syndication, you know, there's a good chance that that's going to be a value add 
So your money is like refrigerators and four units and a couple of decks on, on some others, you know, like it, it's, it's illiquid. So it's going to be years before you see it back. And if you don't have the mental faculties to be able to handle that, nobody has any business taking large amounts of your money as an investment. And that's what the SEC needs to do. But when it comes to 506B, they say, okay, don't entice investors unless you have a prior substantive relationship and so you can privately talk to them and what hit me is like okay like everybody knows how to save first name last name email address in a crm but what about level of sophistication appetite for risk you know you could get their buy box and find out how many units is ideal for them but like you can't do that so i started uh, including it as a live podcast interview format and then i used that as the backbone of 506 b me tracking as a third person uh, verification of your substantive relationships and give you something really easy to print out and show your attorney if the SEC, if you get big enough for the SEC is going to uh, audit you anyway. And so that's why uh, it's so important to have your relationships documented because mm -hmm. if they look in and they see it's like, hey, you didn't know this person. You just said, hey, go ahead, like come invest with me. You took their money without knowing enough about them. Then you'll have to pay everybody back plus interest and that might bankrupt you and that makes you vulnerable to accusations of uh, uh, criminal fraud and that's bad that's orange jumpsuit territory yeah no yeah. i know so i saw on one of your websites because you have so many resources um one of the websites you had like a i think a guest on that kind of had a similar experience of, of, of the downsides if you're not careful with that so that's so important uh, at what mm -hmm. point should somebody like plug that in into their system or approach to a syndication. Like I'm guessing it would be as soon as they decide they want to even start uh, in real estate, multifamily syndications. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I would say that uh, if you are technologically inclined, I'm the first person to say you don't really need 506 BME if you can handle it outside. But part of it is it's also handling the IT, right? So at the end of the day, we're just recording an interview with the guest. So pretty much anybody is capable of pulling that off. But what happens if there's hardware uh, failure, like the actual hard drive? So like that, that file's gone, you know, and, and that applies to most digital things, you know, unless you're really good with IT, you are risking it a little bit, you know, like if your laptop falls in a river or something. And so that way I'm taking care of it. But the main idea is that 506BME, I built it with uh, sustainability in mind in the sense of even if you shut down your CRM, even if you decide, hey, I'm going to you know, hold off, I'm going to take a break from real estate for a year or two or whatever it is, 506BME is supposed to hold on to that information to show your, your history. So at least you have something to show the SEC saying, like, look, I put the effort in to make sure that this under this person understands how a deal works before I actually said, yeah, I got a deal. Yeah. So, so that's really the play. I love that. And that's kind of like a testament to how more, how much more of a role technology is starting to play in this industry. Can you uh, provide some context there? Like maybe expand on what you're seeing right now, like, like how much of a role is technology? How important is it as a multifamily investor? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. So, uh, Really, at, when it comes to 
advertising or social media, it's a bit different from how people are used to thinking. I think a lot of people, uh, especially my generation and older, they think of uh, interacting with people the same way as in high school, you know, and, and you don't really, when you're in high school, you don't really realize that your physical presence is a statement. Okay, like just you sitting there, you're still, you know, like doing something, right? but you don't have that benefit on social media okay so if you aren't posting if you aren't interacting with people it's like you don't exist okay and so so that's the big part of technology that i think older people wouldn't get it, it's just you know if everybody if the interface for everybody is through these screens here then you have to appear on the screen in order to exist basically so so that's one side of technology. The other side is, uh, you know, what exactly, like, are you going to give a bunch of handwritten notes to the SEC to prove that you, you know, actually had a substantive relationship? Or are you going to do like little screen captures of your Facebook messenger? And oh, and here's some from LinkedIn. And oh, I got some from Instagram here too, your honor. I'm sure he, that's yeah. right. I'm sure they'd love that. No, that's so such a good point. Um, my brothers and I, we've always, even when we first got started in real estate, we were like documenting our journey on social media. Um, and I agree. It's like, especially now in today's age, if, if you're not on social media, it is like you don't exist. And a lot of people will look you up online. And it's almost like, even right now when I'm thinking about it, if somebody's not on social media, you almost get like this, uh, this sketchy feeling like, why are they not on social media? Where are they hiding? You know? That's exactly yep. And, and that, that that word scam reminds me of um a, a, almost like, I don't know if you've coined this tagline, but why is real estate a scam? It's a very uh, catching and uh, scroll-stopping, uh, uh, I guess, statement. Can you maybe expand on like what that is and um, do you believe real estate is a scam? And if not, maybe can you provide some context there? <laughs> right, right. So, so I'm a philosopher and I was a philosopher before I even knew what that was. I always think of things in a more meta kind of context. And the, the idea of real estate is a scam there were a few things going through my head. I've been teaching, like I've had people paying me to teach since I was 16, which is over half my life ago, a good chunk. It's more than half my life ago. Right. And so just because I've been teaching for so long, uh, it, it, it's made it so that I, I really need to, uh, uh, like pass on information in a way where they'll get it. And I realize that you can walk away from a situation kind of like um, you've, you've probably heard the story about uh, the blind people checking out the elephant and figuring out what it looks like. And because they were, you know, touching different parts of the elephant, they got different impressions on what an elephant is like. Well, when it comes to something like learning or business, you're going to have tons of people who give it a shot, but they never put anywhere near the effort into it that is necessary. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people could go into real estate, lose their shirt and walk away without making any like overt, obvious, intuitive mistakes and say, yeah, it's a, it's a scam. You know, it's the whole business is full of sharks, right? But the reality is more difficult than that because, well, why don't the people who've been in this for ages, why aren't they going out of business for the same reason? So realestateisascam.com, it's also a book, uh, Real Estate is a Scam. The whole idea was going, because I have a background in tech, I knew I'd be talking to other tech people. Tech people are super skeptical and cynical. So I was like, hey, you wanna see skeptical and cynical? I got a background in digital security. So I'm always looking for vulnerabilities and everything I found, instead of sweeping it under the rug and pretending it doesn't exist, 
I decided, why don't I make a video about it and get in front of the subject? My favorite one on there has to be, you can't do deals with $0, parentheses, but your coach can. Yeah. <laughs> that one's now, pretty interesting. I was going to ask you to dive into that one um, specifically. Like, can you maybe provide some context? Because I think a lot of people here are either looking for mentors, um, potentially in our audience, they're looking for mentors. We have a mentor. Um, so I, it resonated that resonated with me a little bit as well. Um, but, but can you maybe provide some clarity on what, what you mean by that? Sure. So what I wanted to shake people on on that one is that if you really believe somebody's saying you can do deals with zero dollars of your own money, you should be very careful with that person okay there are very specific circumstances that you can get into a deal with no skin in the game okay and and the secret that i found is that if you are a marketer and you've got a decent enough audience that's about the only way i can find where you would be able to get into a deal but that's, of course, why so many of these coaches and gurus, if you read between the line, what they're doing, they're saying, okay, so here's real estate. And the way you make it work is you coach people just like you to do this, and then you'll be rich. And that makes me go, hold up, <laughs> right? Because I've been a teacher since I was 16. A lot of the people who are going into commercial real estate, they're not interested in becoming gurus and coaches and all that kind of stuff. Some of them are doctors and attorneys and stuff like that. Like, why would you give up, you know, a six-figure income to, you know, do, do something else where it's, there's so many unknowns? It's, it makes more sense Absolutely. to find a way to make it work without the coaching component as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So it seems like, because like I know Robert Kiyosaki, we are big fans of him. If you can't tell, his his books up there. He talks a lot about uh, real teachers and like the fake teachers and the the difference between the two. And um, that's why I think like for for us, we're big on finding mentors that are really actually still doing deals and not just coaching people. Um, mm -hmm. And, and our, our mentors are act actively doing deals. They're like in the arena alongside their students, which which is really powerful. Uh, but is that kind of what you're you're touching on, like finding those real mentors and being cautious of those who are maybe uh, just like clickbait essentially? Yeah, I, I'd say yes and no. Uh, the, the big spot where I depart from that, okay. and I'm going to quote, uh, I don't know if you met Aubrey G, but she's amazing uh, out in Florida. And she was the first one who really put her finger on it for me, which is she pointed out that, you know, if I look at all of my limited partner friends uh, who've invested in all sorts of deals, if you talk to them, you'll find out that you, when you have a question about, commercial real estate or how, like even a hypothetical, how would this work if, if this happened? If you're a limited partner, you should be able to turn around to the sponsors and ask them and they'll tell you for free, especially if, you know, like it has to do with the deal that you're a part owner of, right? Mm -hmm. That transparency, it is part of the law. If they really lack transparency, you actually do have some sort of grounds to sue from what I understand. So, so that's, that's the real thing that I think is uh, really important for people to realize is it if you can get the education for free and you have the time, then investing in a deal quite often will be a better education than just like another course or something like that. But of course, yeah. some people, maybe they just got laid off from a high paying job or something like that. They need to get their, you know, uh, their income, their cash flow from these passive uh, investments or active investments. They need to make that happen faster. And then it makes sense to dump big cash on education as far as I'm concerned. But um, uh, there are alternatives, including just buying a piece of a property. Yeah, 
No, I love that. And um, one thing that that reminds me of earlier, you mentioned how like there's no such thing as a zero money down. Um, I think like, yeah, that is correct. A hundred percent. Cause even if it doesn't maybe cause you, and I would love to know if you agree with this, even if it doesn't cause uh, like cost any money, you're still going to need your time, your sanity or your energy um, or your focus and things like that. So like you need maybe always, you have to write a check, but it'll cost you something. So that's a little misleading as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. That mindset is huge. Absolutely. So um, we are approaching really fast our speed round, but I do have a few more questions I want to just dive into. Um, a lot of people right now, I'm looking on social media and we're present on social media. And I know a lot of other syndicators are like using their social media presence. They're really ramping up their marketing. They're building funnels with lead magnets and things like that. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of them have the intention of aiming to raise capital. So I think this is a very timely thing. It's going to only become more prominent um, as, as we progress into the future, into 2023. What advice or tips do you have for people that are like looking to raise capital online for their syndications mm-hmm. and maybe um, uh, warnings for uh, when it comes to like the SEC? Sure. Yeah. So the first one, uh, I'll, I'll pull out the Dan Does Deals commercial competence if you <laughs> do it. So I, I, dandoesdeals.com has this for free. It, it's got the six different roles. Most people, they uh, when they say when they see a repositioner, a financier, or a sponsor KP, they would actually use the term investor for all three of them. And it's not very helpful for me. And that's why I like to pull these out right here. Now, the thing that I also emphasize in the uh, in, in my podcast is that uh, the financiers, if they're investors and you have a 506B deal, you're not allowed to entice them. So that's why I don't even use the word investor on the cube, right? So uh, the one thing you definitely have to look for, look out for is you need to have a documented relationship before you say, hey, I got this deal. It's, you know, here's the, all the information, you know, blah, 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 blah. You have to have that before or else you need a different exemption uh, to, uh, uh, to do your raise. And that is something that most people don't know. And of course, once you start talking to more securities attorneys, you'll find out that uh, the substantive relationship is not the only way to get somebody in. You do still have to do the similar due diligence, but uh, the the prior substantive relationship has to do with after you've signed a contract for the Mm -hmm. property. So. That's awesome. And uh, so like, I'm thinking even for me personally, like we make a lot of content and it's free, obviously, but like social media, Instagram reels, TikToks, uh, YouTube videos. What are some guidelines with that? I, mean, I know you're like, you don't want to necessarily give legal advice, but like in your opinion, uh, or even in your own approach to content, what, what, uh, I guess, uh, like steps are you taking or what uh, rails are you kind of creating for yourself to make sure you're not really stepping over any lines? Excellent. Okay. So uh, that, that's a little bit different from uh, what I was first thinking, because you're talking specifically about compliance, but I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing to really make it work uh, from a social media perspective, it, it's, uh, it's, it's tied into writer's block. Uh, it, and and uh, so if you have writer's block, you're going to have a lot of time posting, right? And mm-hmm. so the cure for both is to be yourself. And that's the real trick that I think a lot of people are missing. They just copy people or they try to put none of their own personality in it at all, but they just try and make things that look like kind of nice or, or whatever. And, you know, if you're vanilla, it's going to be vanilla. You know, it, it's it's going to blend in with everything else and, and just nobody's going to even notice. So you got to do something different, but don't do something different that's totally not you. So like my whole social media presence is super duper weird because one of the things I knew is I'd be pairing up with a wealthy sponsor and they might try to do something dumb that'll get them canceled. 
So what I did is <laughs> I did everything I could think of to get canceled first, just so I can turn around and say, no, 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 no. This is how you can handle it without getting flagged or reported, but you shouldn't be doing it, right? And here's proof from like three years ago. So, yeah. so that's part of the play that I was doing. And, and I think you really have to be careful about that. It, it's, you know, be yourself. You know, me, I delight in getting away with, you know, those, that sort of impolite things, but I'm away. I'm okay because of a technicality. Uh, it, it's, that's so me that I could just keep on doing it forever and never lose the entertainment value. So I love it. That's awesome, man. Now, um, that we are last question before we get to our speed round, which is awesome and exciting. I hope you're ready. Um, but I know you also talk about funnels and, uh, we have a funnel and I mean, obviously it's always improving because we are no Russell Brunson's yet, but, mm -hmm. um, we'll get there. Uh, so I'd love to know what tips you have or what common mistakes do you see? Uh, I want to rephrase that. So yeah, what common mistakes do you see multifamily investors making in their funnels? Um, and are their approach to like really cultivating that person? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, so fakeness would be another thing that would come out, you know, like a moment ago, I was talking about uh, just being vanilla and boring would be uh, their bigger mistakes. But uh, really, what I do is have a lot of self awareness in two different sides. One of them is understand how your form will be perceived by your audience. Okay. In other words, are you asking too much? If you don't have that kind of social cred with somebody, they're going to look at your form and unless it's just, you know, like first name and email and that's it, they're going to be like, mm, do I really want to finish this? Or maybe they're distracted, they'll do something else and it'll kill your conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, the other side that I'd say you need to remember is uh, you need to do a thought experiment for everything you could possibly need to know about that person for the purpose of that particular sign up form. Okay, so you know if you intend on sending them some tickets then or you know like like even the name of the event, you can code that uh, behind the scenes so that everybody who submits the form you know where they came from, you know the you've you've saved the details mm -hmm. that you're going to need later on. So I'd say that's the biggest mistake or or place to look out from and and one thing i need to emphasize as well because you'll see lots of people who you know say they do crms or maybe they even worked for an agency or something like that realistically if you work for an agency you know for like uh two years three years you might only have worked on like 12 accounts Okay, but I worked for web.com, which meant I spoke to thousands of entrepreneurs and people working on their accounts and all that kind of stuff. So I know the ways that, you know, the, the most brilliant users have used uh, uh, these CRMs to do really astounding things for their business. So that's why I consider myself to be in a category of my own. I know you didn't ask that, but I figured no, no, I appreciate you sharing that. It's awesome. And we also, you know, the form thing is such a, that's such a gold nugget because we have also found that like, once we reduce the amount of fields in the form, um, people are more likely to submit it. It just lowers that barrier to entry and it, it's really a game changer. So awesome, man. I appreciate it. It is time for our speed round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. Number one, what is the biggest failure that you've encountered in your real estate journey? And what did you take away from that experience? 
Mm -hmm. It was failing to network. Uh, I came from tech and there's not a whole lot of people uh, who you work with because of that. And when you go into real estate, uh, it really shows out that it was a problem. You need to know tons and tons of people and lots of them need to know who you are. Awesome. What is, where's your business at today in terms of scale and success based on how you would define that? Um, and where are you looking to take it moving forward? Yeah, it's uh, it's better than it's been in a long, long, long time. I, I do think that uh, because the increasing popularity of my podcast and whatnot, uh, the social media following, and then of course, uh, pairing up with Lauren Capital down in Wichita Falls, uh, Texas has been absolutely fantastic. And it's really got me uh, solidly invested in uh, commercial real estate. And that's, that's huge for me. What's your favorite book that has been a game changer for your business and or personal life? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot. I, I think the most important books uh, have to do with copywriting because uh, it doesn't matter what your business is. Copywriting will definitely help. I'd actually expand that to say writing in general. So if you read books on writing, it will really, really help you. But uh, as far as books where it's just really, really obvious how it's going to help you, uh, I've mentioned this one recently. It's uh, Guerrilla Marketing by Jay Conrad Levingston is the one that I really like because even though it's old and it doesn't give much advice about the internet, which for me, that's I'm grateful because uh -huh. every time I read somebody's advice on the internet, I'm like, that's great advice for 2013. <laughs> right because you know, like you know like we, we were talking about why real estate is a scam you know part of that mm -hmm. as well is i just saw that facebook started treating real estate people like it was a scam and so you know that's why that really came out but guerrilla marketing the thing it'll uh, teach you is how to look at every part of your business basically anything that's visible and make sure that it's serving a purpose towards you know, conversion, really, uh, in other words, closing a sale, you know, they see that the best example I can give is some stores are really bad for for keeping their signs clean, your signs, you should be washing it like weekly, you know, like any signs of dirt or whatever, because a dirty sign looks like a closed business. Mm. So that's something that you, you learn from guerrilla marketing. No, that's great. I actually love writing. I write um, fiction as well as I, I do all like the marketing stuff. So that's really great advice. Um, and, and and I'm definitely gonna check that book out because I'm also the marketing guy on our team. So awesome, man. I appreciate that. You shared a ton of gold nuggets throughout this episode. They were awesome. But if there was just one piece of advice you'd want someone listening right now to take away from today's episode, what would that be? It'd be that commercial real estate people are actually really nice and they're not trying to screw you over. Okay. Even though like that's something that you'd be worried about. And it's it's an industry where like it's so much more enjoyable to be in it than in others and of course like when you have a w-2 you're stuck with your colleagues you know even if you have disagreements or whatever but you got a lot more latitude as an entrepreneur to you know pick and choose and, and people will do that themselves as well like if they don't really like you they're not going to spend much of any time around you and it's a better way of living it's really terrifying to think of making the jump when you're in your w-2 and yes you will have to tighten your belt tighter than you thought was ever possible, but do the networking, meet the people. It's so important. That's what I'd say. Awesome. Dan, thanks so much for being here. If anyone in our audience wants to learn more about you or just follow you on your journey or get access to all the awesome resources you have, where can they go to find out more? 
Great. So LinkedIn is where I spend most of my time. My name should be visible there uh, on the little Zoom there. The QR code that is on on my screen if you scan that with your phone it'll take it'll take you to the faqs page of 506 beamy and that is where i offer to be your chief compliance officer for as little as 497 per year that's assuming that you don't need too much help but uh, that's really the play that is awesome awesome value thank you so much again for being here dan and thank you everyone for tuning in today to the real estate monopoly my name is kerwin check us out at donis brothers on every social media platform also check us out on uh at Real Estate Monopoly at pretty much every podcast streaming platform. Guys, let's get out there and take action. Have a great rest of your day.